0: I think Josh called it when I was as I was binging like four movies today. I get on my phone and start, hmm, how can I just fuck with people? Like (laughs) JD is my target right now. He he posted an (laughs) just an innocent. I'm assuming it's their topic for their show this week with a quiet place. What are your favorite moments/slash scenes of silence, no dialogue in film? (laughs) Respond to the moment of silence when I mute your podcast. Thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the immediate, uh, immediate True Bromance cast liked your tweet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Scotch on the rocks. Please, any Scotch will do. As long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt. Glen Olivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps. Maybe a Glen Gow, Any Glen.
0: I'm on I'm
1: thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini. Shake stirred.
0: Welcome back to another Sober Cinema where we're going to be talking about, well, I guess our premise is a film that really took the mainstream by storm uh, and then a forgotten film and whether or not uh, we got it right as a civilization the first time around. And uh, I'll just be frank with both of you, even though uh, I've been programming our film selections up to this point, uh, okay. I forgot and actually had to do Jared's job and look at some numbers because I'm like, wait, which one of these is considered the one that's forgotten and which one's <laughs> not? <laughs> well, it's fun you would say that
2: because uh, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't recognize either one of them. I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> what are these movies?
0: So. So I guess for the That's uh, a bad sign. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely bad for podcast analytics to have uh The Longest Ride going up against Clouds of Sils Maria, but uh since I did look up opening weekends, both of these films came out on April 10th, 2015. At least for Clouds of Sils Maria in uh, the States, that was the release date. And Longest Ride opened to 13 million. Uh so finished third at the box office uh behind Furious 7 and Home and I don't know what home is either.
2: Mm, I don't that's a, that that's either. a that's a children's CGI movie. All right,
0: we've done enough of that. Well, I think we've catered enough. <laughs> with Paddington and uh, hey, what was the other one? The Croods. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's let's not dabble back in that. But Nicholas Sparks is due for round two on this podcast. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> of course. So that's our mainstream selection, uh, and then the forgotten film that was. Uh, I remember this being talked about quite a bit on film Twitter. Uh, which is one of the many disadvantages of having a movie podcast is that you're around those people where you see their content and their <laughs> nonsense was this film. I would say the general public doesn't know what the fuck it is. So uh, just a uh, sort of basic plot line here. Cause I'm assuming this is going to be the episode to end all episodes. As far as anyone listening, not bothering to watch either of these films, uh, longest ride usual Nicholas sparks sort of set up here. Uh, you have in this case, a city girl that uh, is getting her uh, schooling uh, in what, art history, art management, arts administration, something
1: of Your that?
0: Art. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And I honestly don't think the film is that interested either, other than no. she seems to like paintings an awful lot and talks about them occasionally. She meets a uh, rodeo rider who's uh, the country boy and sort of a, uh, I guess, a mild version of like star Starcross Lover's and uh, then Clouds of Sils Maria, we get Juliette Binoche, I guess most famously from The English Patient, uh, playing an aging actress and her relationship dynamic with her personal assistant played by Kristen Stewart, which mirrors, um, I guess, the stage play that made her famous as far as it's about a older woman and a younger woman and their um, very hot relationship that develops. I wouldn't say this film is that... <laughs> that titillating if you're if you're looking for some sort of uh skinamax type thing this is definitely the art house version of, of it because they're going to talk it to death they're going to talk all the way around how they're feeling about uh, each other not only that but i have to ask
2: do we just not notice it under normal circumstances or after uh Juliet binoche gets the uh i guess the lesbian haircut because she's you know playing a lesbian um <laughs> by this you mean our- shorter <laughs> Well, really short.
1: What's what's a lesbian (laughs) haircut, Josh? Tell us. Well,
2: if you don't know, then...
0: Uh, you know, <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you that one. She appeared to
2: have no eyebrows. That, that's what I'm at.
0: <laughs> no eyebrows. Okay, I can't go down. I can't go down hair. that path with you because I was like, yeah, okay. They she gets a shorter hair. haircut, and it's meant yeah. to establish a time jump, right? That's what. That's how I thought about it because mm-hmm. um, I didn't. I didn't really think of it in that way. Like she's becoming lesbian <laughs> now, <laughs> but I don't think she turned into a David Lynch character from Lost Highway either. I don't think she was going. Uh, as hairless as possible you know what i'm gonna have to go the tape on that one josh
2: <laughs> do it because you're, you're, you're laughing now but you're gonna see that she either just well i guess what i'm getting at is is that maybe she just has really thin eyebrows or they're like barely there but whereas i didn't notice it before when she gets the haircut it's very evident and it was very distracting i had a hard time focusing because every time i looked at her i just saw that beaming forehead with no eyebrows
0: all right Uh, with that film analysis out of the way with with that mea culpa there uh what do you think about the film josh because of the two of you i felt like this was more in your wheelhouse as far as the a movie that you're i guess trying to piece together what's real what's not and Mm -hmm. uh you usually are more into this type of stuff you would be correct on that assumption uh
2: i wasn't really sure that i was going to like it because uh as we mentioned, I knew nothing about this film and I just kept it that way. I didn't I didn't look into it. I just... Holy
0: shit, he's right. <laughs> now, she does have eyebrows, but they do something different to them than when she has long hair.
2: Thank you. Thank you. All right.
0: Out of context, I'm now posting this on her Instagram account. What hashtag should I use? <laughs> Josh was right. <rot. laughs> <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's worth a few likes, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> there are some other joshes out there that's like, I've been waiting. <laughs> I don't know what that picture means, but yes, I am. This hashtags for
2: me. <laughs> yeah. But uh the the opening of the film, um it really it, it's a little slow moving and it seems more focused on the uh the death of her mentor, the the director, um I can't remember the 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 character's name that has died, but uh that's really the focus um, early on and (laughs) I didn't really care. I mean, and I I was afraid that that was going to be the, the linchpin of the movie. And so I was just like, Oh, this isn't a good sign if we're like really zeroing in on this, but it, it, it's not, you know, it's just kind of how they're establishing uh, where the other uh, points of the movie come from. But like you said, uh, which you said it kind of nonchalantly, but it's not really that evident at first that the movie does blur those lines between um, the the real world relationship between uh, her character and Kirsten Stewart's character uh, in comparison to the duality of the elements of the, the movie that she's practicing for. You know, she's practicing her lines and preparing for. Uh, that said... That's when it really drew me in. I mean, the characters are pretty interesting, and the, and the dialogue is good anyways. So you, I was already kind of, you know, getting pulled in. But when they start having scenes where uh, you're not sure if it's them talking in real life or if they're practicing lines, that, that was very interesting to me. That was uh, a very reminiscent of another Juliette Binoche's uh, film, uh, Certified Copy, which was... Very much on a previous episode of ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that one's a little more abstract because they don't really give you anything to go off of in that film. Whereas with this, there's obvious moments when it is, uh, the characters are uh, practicing their lines versus having real dialogue. But you can, you can very much make the the comparison of like, Oh, they could be easily having this conversation, (laughs) you know, versus, it being just them practicing these lines. So it was very interesting to see, I don't know, just trying to piece together, you know, what, when these it drifts could actually in and feeling.
0: out of like, wait, yeah. a minute, is Kristen Stewart's character actually saying that to her? Or is she reading it off the, uh, I actually went, and this probably sounds a little bit nerdy of me, but we're also doing a podcast on clouds of Silsa Maria and celebrating the anniversary <laughs> of that film along with the longest ride. So it's already pretty nerdy, but uh, I turned on subtitles for this film. And uh the subtitles drop in and out as far as the, the quotes. Like sometimes it'll look like mm. it'll like when she's directly looking at a piece of paper it'll keep them in quotes. But when she's not, it drops them. So even oh, if you I had didn't... the subtitles on, mm. it, it's still not really giving you a clue one way or the other. That was pretty
2: smart. I actually didn't pick up on that. I was watching it with subtitles as well, but I did not pick up on that, so that's that's pretty interesting
0: too. Jared, I'm assuming you um well, you you know you just didn't get this movie, but you went a you did a deep dive on Longest Ride, right? The same way, like looking at the subtitles to see if you could piece together the clues. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of context in the Longest Ride that you guys probably just didn't
1: even pick up on. Uh, the uh the subtlety of uh man versus nature uh, with mm-hmm. him riding the bulls and all the ridiculous slow mo shots of uh,
0: bull riding. Now, and hold such. on, Jared. if what? If you can't allow for slow mo when a man is riding a bull. I mean, when can you have slow mo? Are you just saying you're just adamantly opposed to that being used at all in film?
1: No, it's just it's such an uninteresting um, sport, in my idea, that they have to <laughs> slow it down because how are you going to fill a whole movie full of something that lasts eight seconds? So,
2: well, George is saying is that he wants them to reserve the slow motion for uh, when Mister Eaveswood it's taking his shirt off. That's that's when it's
1: meant for. That's yes, laughs. Good. I appreciate that. <laughs> Jared I heard you no, taking a breath,
0: a deep breath on that one as Josh was <laughs> giving you some <laughs> visual reference in your mind. Oh <clears throat> While we're no, on that it's... note, can I can I bring up I'm gonna ask Nasty Hellcat here a uh, relationship question. Um <laughs> What did y'all think about the first sex scene and longest ride? Because I I thought, honestly, I'm watching, I watched clouds of Sils Maria first and I'd seen both of these before, but I didn't remember too much about either one. I thought, okay, that's going to be, that's going to be where all the awkward um, sexual chemistry or lack thereof will be because it's about, especially the older woman trying to sort of figure out the landscape as far as if maybe these feelings she's, Develop for her younger sister are going to be reciprocated. Or, as Josh said, that's just (laughs) what the play is. They're just reading off the text, and her sister's trying to obviously do her job and help her. Longest ride. The first sex scene is, uh, I believe, our lead character here, played by Britt Robertson, the uh, art lover, Sophia, Uh, playfully runs away from him. And what does she end up in the, like in a pond? She's like covered just falls in a pond. So uh, that gives, as Jared said, a little little Eastwood, little Scotty Eastwood here, uh, the, I guess opportunity to be like, well, you can come change clothes at my place, come shower shower, and I'll go over here in my barn loft and start fixing some soup. (laughs) But I'm going to like turn back and gaze at you longingly. And then Sophia will also be gazing longingly in the corner of this barn loft, just staring him down. And (laughs) it's one of those things that I think we've seen played before. And like, Uh, Comedy, where it's like, if you don't look like little Scotty Eastwood here. Rodeo rider. Um, let's say Jared was in Sophia's shoes, a man who has absolutely fuck all respect for rodeo riders. Uh, mm-hmm. that's gonna be a fighting gaze. <laughs> if Jared's in that corner of that loft and Scotty Eastwood turns oh. to look at you as you're undressing, <laughs> trying to pull leeches or whatever <laughs> off your body, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it's uh, gonna result in like a come hither type look to an invitation to come get in the shower. Um, it's one of those things I think that you have to, look past in rom-coms but i always wonder um when they're concocting these schemes if they if that's ever going to change where it's like "Mm, maybe we can do it a little bit more gracefully than i'm naked now (laughs) what do you think about that (laughs) (laughs) does that work for you jared (laughs) is that your
1: move Well, I don't really think that we're uh discussing a film that's really uh got a lot of writing expertise in it. So I mean it's fine, it fits in with the rest of the stupid shit in the rest of this movie. So sure. He turns around, oh I
0: need a washcloth, Scotty Eastwood. Oh, I'll help you with that. I actually like that. Go. Why isn't there that dialogue in the film? That's at least own it. At least own the sketchiness oh, of the whole the book. I don't know how the shower works. Can you <laughs> help? <me? laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: there, there that, was almost something um off-putting <laughs> about her like meeting his gaze and then proceeding to undress it was it was almost like a I there was like was some peacocking going on like a challenge like mm. See, there was also some Flint's peacocking
0: first. in uh clouds of silsa maria uh just a sort of random dip in the river between (laughs) this actress and her personal assistant. And uh, of course, (laughs) Kristen Stewart and true, I guess, uh, you know, true to form with her, at least her reputation. She's wearing like boy shorts and her hipster glasses and uh, nothing titillating at all. But uh, her boss basically goes in the buff and (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's one of those things that I wonder about the casting of Kristen Stewart, who I actually really like here. This is probably the first time I've ever liked her in anything.
1: She fits really well into that type of role. She I mean, it was perfectly doesn't, cast. Doesn't it doesn't even seem
0: like she's acting like, you know, that sort of no. nervous energy she has or that, uh, like that sort of weariness of like, you know, the, the sort of like the bullshit of celebrity, which the film is kind of attacking a little bit, perfectly cast as Jared said with her, like that she's having to, you know, put up and defend, um, this person who basically is out of touch with reality, but that make it does make for a very awkward uh, will they or won't they romance. If you have one of the characters thinking that not only is she employed by her, but that this person has no she's has no basis for her thoughts, like you know she's she's someone who's living in the past.
1: So what you were saying earlier was that, and like Joanne, I don't take that kind of role seriously.
0: Hmm. What? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Um,
1: that I have disdain for those characters and their cartoonish psychology, but she doesn't. Mm.
0: She makes her superior to me. Uh oh. Don't get jealous. I'm not an attractive quality. She dives
1: headfirst into a character's ambiguities, but I don't. That's why I admire what she does. Yeah. You know, I. I think that when you watch her in a movie like the one we saw tonight, there is, there is no distance there. It's normal. It's a, a
0: culture, right?
1: Yeah. Agreed. What's wrong with my acting? Nothing. <laughs> what do I need to do to make you admire me? Do I think too much? Huh?
2: Like went to classical, <laughs> not.
1: liberated, like, Joanne.
0: <laughs> You're here to talk to me, so start talking. <clears>
1: hmm? <throat> I don't know.
0: You you can't be as accomplished as you are and as well-rounded as an actress as you are and still expect to hold on to the privileges of youth. It just doesn't work like that.
1: Oh.
2: So I'm allowed to not be old as long as I don't want to be young.
1: Is that it? Yeah. I don't know. I guess so. Yes. Totally. Well put.
0: It's it's something where... Uh, I guess what I'm saying is I'm glad there's not a longest ride uh, shower moment between the two <laughs> of them because I'm not I'm not pulling for this I'm I'm actually wanting Kristen Stewart to get a better gig I want her to get a better job because this Juliet Binoche's character is uh, to I guess a layman pretty damn insufferable as far as like do it or don't <laughs> you seem fine you seem well off just shit or get off the pot what is you know. I don't understand the constant bemoaning of taking this part. And then I can't do it. There's a lot of scenes where she gets on her iPad and yells at someone over Skype, which (laughs) I say easy. Now you can't really criticize too much. (laughs) That's why I'm saying it's my bread and butter Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it doesn't pay well either.
2: I I agree with what you're saying. At first I wasn't sure that, that I agreed because when they have some of their more uh, casual conversations, it's, you know, pretty friendly and she's a little bit more um, charming because she's not as in touch with like the, the modern day actors and stuff. She doesn't care. She doesn't seem to be obsessed with celebrity and the, the, the whole scene that goes with that. But then, as you said, like then she becomes a little bit part of that when it comes down to just doing her job, you know, all of a sudden she can't function, (laughs) you know, she's uh, whining and crying. So,
0: Jared, just go ahead and unleash yes. on this movie. I mean, this just—I said earlier that this seems like something Josh would be into. This seems like something that would make you uh, actively angry as you're sitting there watching this, knowing that this is what I've selected for you. So much so that I feel like I've put you in a corner where, at the end of this episode, you're going to have to go with the longest ride. You'll have to.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I—I hate to shock you, but I didn't hate Clouds of Sils I didn't. Um, I didn't dislike it.
0: Wow. Okay. But, uh, so what is it that worked for you? Cause
1: this, I, it was intriguing to me. Um, I know you guys have spoken more about the uh, relationship between the actress and the, um, assistant, but, um, it, it was intriguing to me to see her dealing with trying to be Helena and then the fighting with it kind of mirror mirroring her own, um, situation where she is losing kind of her power in Hollywood, I think the aging process basically the, the age, yeah the the aging angle is what really intrigued me, and in how she's she is becoming sort of like Helena and she doesn't want to play Helena because that's sort of like accepting that she's becoming older and losing her power and not getting the you know the young roles, and I think that applies the most of Hollywood in general, so
0: well in particular, this role is an older woman who. I don't know, it was tricked, bamboozled, taken advantage of. I mean, yeah. they, they were <laughs> both characters. And I think Kristen Stewart's the one that's trying to defend like the work itself more, saying there's something interesting that can be played here. But clearly within the text of the, the like the the play within the film is that that character is going to be the, the victim. I mean, you know, she's going to be vanquished in some way. Uh, by mm-hmm. uh this younger woman who's a con woman and Chloe Grace Moretz, I think is also really good here because she mm-hmm. at first is sort of introduced as just an idiot who I think <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Lohan type. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think, you know, I don't know if that's mean spirited because they do mention Lindsay Lohan, but it almost feels like <laughs> they mentioned her early in the film, like that she exists in that world just so people won't be like, wait, was that supposed to be Lindsay Lohan? Cause it's <laughs> like, no, no, they mentioned her earlier, <laughs> so so close. So, but it's Lindsay Lohan. Um, I I think, you know, she's, when we first see her yet again, another iPad moment with Juliet, Benoit, she's looking up like, okay, who is this asshole that's going to take, you know, this part, <laughs> who am I going to be working with? That's so great. That's in all these like superhero movies. And, um, she's maybe playing the part of like the sort of dumb, you know, wild party girl. Cause she's like, ah, I'm going to do something. And I don't really know what it is. I guess he's a famous writer and she's pretty good, but I don't really know like giggling and, uh, by the end of the film, Josh, I don't know if you felt this way, um, I felt like she's someone that has actually got total control of calculating her career and her image, and that's something that the older actress has not even considered, because right. you, you see the, the intermingling of her like sort of personal problems with like her romances and paparazzi, but it all feels like this is something that she's using to her advantage to push Calculated. her forward. Yeah.
2: Uh, actually, um, my favorite scene—I would, I would say the whole movie—was when uh, Chloe Grace Moretz and uh, uh, Joe Binoche's char- uh, characters that, that they are meeting with the current uh, director of the film in the restaurant, and the whole evening is kind of betrayed to the <laughs> to the, the the drama that Chloe Grace Moretz's character has brought by. I guess having an affair with a, a married man who, when his wife finds out that he's going to leave her, she tries to commit suicide. whole mess. But the whole point being is that the whole evening just then becomes about her. They have to mm-hmm. like sneak around, you know, driving getting in taxis and going out back ways. And it was supposed to be an evening, you know, discussing the movie and the parts. And uh, again, it's just all about her. And it feels so, like you said, it's calculating on her point. You know, she's she's thinking it all through. You know, she's 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 playing the game, the but Hollywood acting like game. she's
0: not. Acting like oh, right. was that stupid? Oh well,
2: yeah. But at the same time, it also has that very shallow feeling that that I think we get as outsiders of Hollywood. It, if you're not the type of person who gets eat up with the Hollywood drama, then you're usually the type of person who is disgusted by it, mm-hmm. and you get that very shallow feeling of like this is just so silly. You know, this is just so. Why? Why do people even care? And, um, <laughs> they're like having to go leaps and bounds to deal with that type of drama, whereas <laughs> they should just be focusing on their work and stuff. And it was just—it's interesting to see that from the older character's point of view. You know, sitting there and observing it all, and, and you can kind of feel that tension of, of her, even though she's being polite. Uh, she's—you—you you can tell she's like, this is just, <laughs> this is nuts. That this is what
0: what it's come down to. There's a also an older character in The Longest Ride that uh, I would say he's he doesn't realize he's commenting as much on this uh, young rodeo rider and uh, this art student their relationship. Although later in the film he starts to speak more directly to that. But um, when uh, Sophia and little Scotty Eastwood are on their their date, uh, is it, I don't know if it's their first date. Maybe I think it, it was is. driving home. Uh, hey, there's, uh, Alan Alda has <laughs> crashed into a tree and is about to blow up and, uh, ha- pretty much has all of his, uh, well, I don't want to <laughs> say all of his nice possessions, but, uh, <laughs> n- definitely like every damn letter and picture of his wife <laughs> that he has <laughs> on his person, he has carried around this little treasure chest box. And, um, you've tickled me by saying, Hey, Alan Alda ran into a tree. <laughs> Hey, it's Alvin Alden. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I've I to the uh the actor uh Jack uh Houston, I think's his name. I think I, he was in mm-hmm. Boardwalk Empire. He was, he played a really cool character, that like in a like a one eyed assassin. Um and he's gonna play the younger version of, of this man who uh is uh, Ira Levinson and um you get anytime, I guess the film thinks like, and maybe this speaks to what Jared was saying. uh, Hey, uh, there's only so much slow-mo we can do with this bull rider. Uh There's only so many times they can have little dates on his, his farm. Uh We're going to cut away to this other relationship that really has nothing to do with him other than, you know, they just, through happenstance, save this man's life. Um, and then he just unloads. <laughs> every, like the story of his life and every <laughs> documented letter that he wrote to his wife, even though uh, I think the film leads you to believe that a couple of times they're going to separate, and maybe that's why he was writing letters to her. But uh, spoiler alert, if you care for the longest ride, they don't. He just uh, was such a sweet dude, loved her so much that he just creepily wrote letters to her, even though she's living in the same house as him. Yet again, that's one of those things with like, I think romance movies where. In theory, I think, and Josh, maybe you can test this. Maybe your wife would dig that. But let's say if you did this for years that you were writing here, let's just say weekly letters. Do you think there would come a point where she'd be like, oh, that was nice for like Valentine's Day. But I think you can stop because, you know. I'm in the next room. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm right here looking over your shoulder as you're writing that damn letter.
2: Even even if she isn't put off by it, I would imagine after so long it just loses its charm. <laughs> it's just like, Okay not even going to open this one. Juice isn't (laughs) isn't worth the squeeze
0: either at a certain point, Mr. (laughs) Aldo. Believe me, I saw Ruth on her deathbed right next to you. (laughs) Oh my. That's why Rodeo Mm. Rider only goes for eight seconds, then on to the next. um, (laughs) There were so many terrible terrible parallels
2: that could have been drawn from this movie with the title, the eight seconds,
0: the, uh, just so many. You know what I hated the most about the title is that they don't let little Scotty Eastwood say it. He doesn't get to make that comparison to like, nope. you know, this love story between him and Burt Robertson, uh, as being the, truly the longest ride. It's, uh, I believe it's Ira in another letter to his, uh, like talking about his relationship with his wife. Wasn't it either that, or, or he may have it said it out loud.
2: He may have said it out loud to uh No Jared, you're way off. You're you're still talking about Eastwood. I know you can't stop thinking about him.
1: But... I thought that's what that, that's how his mother put it. It's like that's the longest ride of your career. No, no it was oh. it was it was Alan Alda that said it. I think I'm sorry, longest ride expert. <laughs> I,
0: I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't Josh, remember it. Please he don't post this episode letter. on longest ride forums. Jared's fucked that audience up for us. <laughs> 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 now we're gonna get those listens. Thanks, I'm Jared. So sorry. <laughs> Been banking on this audience for months, building up to it. Oh well. On to the next oh, the Sparks oh, verse. Half a dozen of you. <laughs> You're actually now talking to our real audience. Half a dozen oh, of oh, yeah. you. Uh, mom, uh, and they're <laughs> saying, Please steak. stop. Um I, you know, I watched this uh swipe the movie pass. Uh me and the the wife um went to see it when it came out, so a girlfriend at the time, and um she likes some of these movies. Um but even, you know, she's like, ah, they're pretty, you know, formulaic. You know, you get the, like the, and having done Safe Haven for this podcast, it's like you get two people from different walks of life. Usually one of them's an outsider to the town. Uh, and, uh, I would say mostly the guy is usually some sort of like every man, you know, he's like the average schmo. And even with Ira here, he's not, he's the one that's like, I don't know anything about art, but man, I love the way she talks about it. Like, you know, she's the one with the deep analysis and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what he does for her is basically just grafts onto her passions. And it's like, if you like it, maybe yeah. I like it. Mm, I, I don't know if that's playing to the audience or doing a disservice to the audience, because it's like going back to that letter writing that with Josh. Do you honestly think that your loved one's going to be like, like everything I like, and like it all the time if I like it? Like, eventually they're going to be like, all right, g- get your own hobbies. Go do something <laughs> with yourself.
2: <laughs> I, 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 to try to... Defend the movie a little bit. I don't know if I would go that simple, especially with something like um, collecting art. I mean, that's the type of thing that, like, if one person is really into it, with it being a somewhat of an investment, and and you can see that it excites the other person. And a good example is like early in my Gina's uh, marriage. Um, I was still (laughs) collecting a lot of geekery type things, uh, comic books and comic book character statuettes and stuff, and It was a point where she kind of got caught up in a little bit of, you know, helping me collect it and everything. And I don't think it's because she really got into it. But I think there's almost the collectible vibe of it and and doing something with me and doing something for me. And uh, I think that's what she was kind of getting out of that. So I'll I'll give it that much that there's there's some of that that can ring true. Uh, I think the
0: problem is we don't know anything else about Ira other than. How much he loved Ruth. Yeah, yeah,
2: and and that makes.
0: (laughs) Jared you're laughing at me for thinking he ran into a tree. I don't know. Maybe, (laughs) maybe a kid, a child crossed the road and he he did something heroic. We don't know because the movie doesn't care about them. He dropped one of his letters in the floorboard. (laughs) (laughs) I like your shaky. I'm about to run into a tree, voice. (laughs) Oh no. Let me oh, say one my. thing that uh, I came out of this movie thinking um, I think I think that uh, they should have gone one way or the other. I guess in the I, I'm assuming this is from the book. Uh, I feel like you could have made something interesting out of the couple, the art collecting couple or the rodeo guy and the city girl doing both feels like just when I'm getting, I guess, enough information where I may maybe a little bit invested in one relationship. They cut back to another one. And I'm like, oh, yeah. This seems minor in comparison, especially if you if you go into the flashbacks where you're talking about one man goes to war, saves another man's life, gets shot. Um, I don't think this part is handled with such with a degree of grace because he gets shot, and basically you get a quick <laughs> clip of the doctor coming saying, "I'm like, sorry, I'm sorry." And and
2: I, like... <laughs> I was questioning, I was like, "Wait, where did you get shot?"
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now let me explain to our half dozen <laughs> listeners who probably are not going to watch the longest 'd certainly not now. Uh, before he goes to war, um, his uh, Ruth, beloved Ruth, says that she wants a big family. And once he agrees to this, uh, it's like that's when he proposes. It's like that's sort of the last question mark in if they should uh, be together forever is if they share that the same values of having a lot of kids together. Goes to war. He's a re- hero. Saves another man. He gets shot. Survives that. But then, whatever it is, I get the character makes a big production out of saying it was the infection, not the wound itself. And I, I always thought that was a weird line because it's like it's like the movie saying, "His dick still works. We promise, his dick still good." <laughs> <laughs> it was it, the infection. It was very like, yeah. Trust me, I didn't get <laughs> shot there. I didn't yeah. get shot there. <laughs> <laughs> Everything still works because you know <laughs> it was the infection. <laughs> you know, we don't see um really any. Sort of sex life with the older characters, which is fine that's that's good because it would be a little weird if he's explaining it in his hospital room to this young woman who's a complete stranger but i I, I, I felt like that was a weird distinction they were making that was like no, 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 just the infection is what it was nothing, nothing hit the goods, <laughs> nothing hit the all the goods. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, And you know what they're dealing with is far more serious than rodeo rider, which is basically like, Hey, won't you please stop doing this thing that you, uh, you can no longer do physically. Yeah. It's killing you. That seems like something that's like, yeah, give it up. Uh, you know, with the, the flashback couple, they can't have children. He went off to war. Uh they're having trouble adopting. She's a school teacher, so she's reminded every day of what they miss. Like there's a lot of drama there and a lot of sort of understandable tension that I think mm-hmm. it does a disservice to our modern couple where you're like, you know what, this doesn't really fucking matter. I don't care if you all are together or not. Like if you all can't get your shit together, think about poor Ira and Ruth. And his dick still works. Just once you to know. <laughs> <laughs> to be
2: clear again. Yeah. I would say the movie would have worked better if just if they wanted to use not, not that I'm a fan of really book ending movies with plot devices, but if they wanted to have used the young couple as just kind of bookends to just kind of dive into the story of the, the older couple, that was way more um, interesting and, <laughs> as, as you're explaining, uh, more consequential. <laughs> you know, there's more weight to the issues they're dealing with versus Scott Eastwood just being too dumb to realize he's going (laughs) to
0: kill himself, bull riding. Uh, Uh, I have an issue with someone that this is – I know this is movie world where everyone's beautiful, but like Scott Eastwood, like, I just don't know what else I could do. What else could I do? I was like, I I think you'll get a gig as a salesman if you want it, man. I think you're good. I think uh, (laughs) someone will say, all right, we can get this guy to sell cars or tractors or what have you. Like people are going to enjoy his company. He doesn't have to go out and get – the shit kicked out of him by a bull. Like his life's not over. And let me
2: I'll tell you another, a, a huge problem with the ending beyond its contrivances is, uh, that character does not learn his lesson. Really? I mean, he says he does, but you know, for those who haven't watched it, As you've said, we'll probably never watch it. I'll set it up, but, you know, we got to do something
0: with this podcast. We keep selecting things like, well, God knows no one will watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know why we did. But here we are a half hour later, still discussing the nuances of it.
2: (laughs) Okay, so he you know, his thing is, I have to be the champion. I have to be the best bull rider. Doctors very Rocky Balboa style said, you can't do it no more, son. You're going to die. You know, you get hit the wrong way. It's over. You're dead. But he keeps doing it. And so, um, I don't remember the real the, the character's name, but um Britt, uh, what's her last name? Robertson. Uh yeah, Robertson. Tomorrow uh, she uh she gives up her her passion, you know, out of concern for him. You know, she gives up on the, this opportunity to go to New York and intern uh for this art museum and everything. She sacrifices that for him. And when she asked him to sacrifice, you know, stop putting your life on the line because, you know, I'd kind of like for you to live, he he refuses. Something that seems
0: beneficial to him as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so at the end of it, when you already have this very contrived ending happening where (laughs) Alan Alda has left, you know, just magically, the person he has been talking to is an art lover and, has a future in art. He happens to have this huge art collection stowed away that he's going to uh, auction off and, and, and invites her to come, come watch and be part of. Uh, You would think Scott Eastwood's character would be like, uh, before the big, you know, before the big rodeo, especially when he draws the name of Rango, the, the bull that about killed him. Uh, You would think that would be the moment to have the epitome of like, yeah, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm gonna stop, but no. You know what? He fights. i um, not fights, but he 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 rides the bull. He wins, that and would then, be he's pu- yeah, then- <laughs> he
0: yeah. Fights the bull. Fights he the becomes bull. enraged. <laughs> <laughs> not he today, Renko. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm a go Jared. I actually would want him to fist fight it and win. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> knock the I mean, bull out. I'm, I'm down with plus that. eight plus on this movie if he actually would have fist fought the bull.
2: But he he, he wins you know he went so he he's the world champion Mm -hmm. which by the way carries its own weight of financial wealth because even though you know rodeos and uh you know rodeo cowboys aren't necessarily um bull riders i should say uh they're not like nba stars or anything that they're still making out pretty well especially if they're the champion financially speaking uh no, he wins. He wins, and then he decides, no, I'm going to go apologize. <laughs> I got,
0: but he didn't I sacrifice got, anything.
2: You're saying he, he, didn't he got exactly anything. what
0: he wanted, and now he's going to double dip. He's going to get the girl yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and and he's the one with his $600 uh, buys the portrait of Alonzo's beloved wife Ruth here, and that's the that's the the, the magic bullet to unlock every other piece in the art collection, which is worth millions. Talk yeah. about having a good day. Cause the, yeah. the movie is basically making it very easy for him to just absolutely retire. Cause he accomplished, there's nothing left unfinished for him. He accomplished exactly mm-hmm. what he wanted. And now he's very wealthy and he gets the girl yeah. and she stays put in North Carolina. Mm
2: hmm it's very uh it's very troublesome and it's very like i said before it's very contrived and i can't remember who it was i was reading because whenever i watch a bad film like this i, I do enjoy pulling up reviews like
0: All right, let's see what other longest people ride forums like. don't let them lie to us <laughs>
2: but uh somebody said something along the lines of like nicholas sparks Stories have to have these contrivances because his characters lack anything remotely interesting about themselves. And I was like, that's that's true. Because you almost do get that feel good feeling after you're watching. I'm like, yeah, oh, everything ended good and happy. It was cool. I like how that came together. And then the <laughs> moment you start to think about it, you're like, no, no. <laughs> let's let's that's switch back. It should be at all
0: because I'm I'm fascinated by the nasty Hellcats um, approval of Clouds of Sils Maria. So what did you think about, and I think this is the big talking point. I remember being a talking point on uh, Twitter. Uh, I guess people kind of trying to talk around it, but we won't hear. So, you know, final warning, spoiler alert for clouds of social Maria. Kristen Stewart disappears, like actually disappears like in the Mm -hmm. mountains. Now it's not like (laughs) she isn't going to like blue Jedi ghost form or anything. But I think the film does set it up that it's probably unrealistic to say that she just while Juliette Binoche is like looking around the scenery that she hightailed it, hightailed it out of there and could reasonably have ran away. Um, And, you know, this older woman that's been relying on her for, I guess, advice that she can swat away and say, well, you don't really know better because I'm older um, now is left on her own, I guess, to basically have no one to complain to, to, as I said, shit her get off the pot. And uh, Kristen Stewart's character not mentioned again after that. Mm-hmm. So Jared, again. I mean, it's a very art house thing to do. What What did you make of that? Mm-hmm. Did you like it?
1: Actually, I thought it was pretty good in the sense that, like, a lot of the interpersonal relationships um, with Binoche and Stewart took on a quality of the story that they were reading. Uh, a lot of that mirrored um, the uh, kind of like the struggle between the two. Um, are you saying that you I
0: suspected think... early on that she was, did you suspect Stuart was not like a real flesh and bone character? Did you think it was a part of Binoche's psyche?
1: No, I I actually thought that she was actually flesh and bone, but I think in the movie they mention Helena's character or, uh, yeah, the, the character of Helena just kind of disappears and walks off and they have that, um, they have that discussion about, well, of course she committed suicide or, and Kristen Stewart, I think said, you know, no, um, she can just walk off. She can just, she can just disappear. So I thought that was pretty, um, pretty apt for the way that the movie was going that Stewart just kind of disappeared. Now, if we want to debate on whether it's actually feasible or not in a real world sense, we can go on about that, but I think she did just actually
0: disappear. I actually liked it. All right, Josh, give us your—I don't uh, know—assassin, backwards, talking, little person theory that I know you've got cooking (laughs) around your head. I don't really, no, I don't really have anything too weird.
2: It was one of those that I almost didn't try to peel back the layers too much on because I was like, well, I don't know that we have enough information necessarily to come down one way or the other. Uh, I will say that, like, when she first turns around and doesn't see her, my gut feeling was that she had killed herself. Uh, I, I don't know why. I don't really know why that's where my, you know, where my thoughts went. But my thoughts were that she was going to like turn a corner and find that she had like, I don't know, like, jumped off a ledge or something like that. I'm not. I'm not sure. But I, I'm not sold that that's what they were implying though. At the end, it's just that's kind of how I felt during those scenes. Um. But and, and truth be told, I didn't really even give it much of a thought that she may not even be real. I, I think I was just more or less debating between the whole. Did she kill herself, or did she just run off and just about like, screw it? I'm done with her. Uh, but I guess that is an interesting uh, take on it. Is that maybe it was just you know in her head? You know, maybe that was like a persona she had created to kind of um, deal with everything she was experiencing and going through.
0: I mean, there's <clears> certainly <throat> I think anyone that puts them puts themselves out there in the especially like in a creative field, there's a certain vulnerability of uh, you know hate. Like this stupid podcast, it's gonna come their way. So you know, anyone that was you know, poor Alan Alda, who's done had a life of uh, great work, uh, were chuckling about his poor driving skills, uh grieving for his wife, his stupid uh sort of Riddler's game with his art collection. Um <laughs> Riddler's you have, game. You have something like uh Juliette Badoche who's I think you know mainly the uh, the battle in this film is that for a career path that's asking for you to be vulnerable in front of people and to sort of be exposed to to put emotions out there uh, for people to you know enjoy or not or to judge. Um, pretty much the whole time, the Stewart character is asking her to like tap back into that, saying that she's gotten a little too comfortable in her success and her strength, saying I only want to play. You know, I only want, as Jerry was saying, I only want to play the cool part. I want to play like the strong, aggressive character. I don't want to be vulnerable.
2: Well, not only that, it's also kind of commenting on the her her being so high brow, You know, like because they go and watch the superhero movie that Chloe Grace, Which is, character is you know, in what,
0: the worst thing I can say about that is that you know it precedes sort of what you're saying an interesting debate between these two characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt like it does a disservice that we actually see the movie because the movie does look really yeah, stupid. Yeah, so you know, you're,
2: you're, I can't defend that. <laughs>
0: I kind of wish well, there was just a shot of them like watching a screen and we don't actually see yeah. it and then the debate. But then they kind of made up for it at the end
2: with the, uh, I guess, the very end with the, the director who uh, was trying to get her to be part of his superhero movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be part of that franchise or something altogether different. But... He actually like hearing him speak, he actually has a lot of respect for her and for her ideas and you know, even though he might be making what some people would deem a you know, a flaky superhero movie. Lower class
0: type of entertainment.
2: He has a lot of depth in his ideas and how he looks at at movies. And so it's it's almost kind of challenging her to start maybe changing her perspective on some of that stuff too, that there can be both. You know, you you can not everything it has to just be the the very highbrow you know type of stuff or, or lowbrow, but it it can it can kind of be both. And I thought that was kind
0: of a neat commentary it was making. I think what you're really saying is uh, that this is basically about Juliet Pinochet's dick still working. That they're they're making a comment <laughs> that everything's still good. That it was, just yeah. it was just an infection of the mind. Just an infection. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
0: Jared, you were just leaning too far back in your gaming chair. So I'm like, well, mm. what, what would Jared say here? I know if he was, if he was up on the mic, ready to hit that pitch. Um, all right. So if I want to just
2: drawn some eyebrows on her. It would have all been much. I, I hate It'd that be. you're
0: right about that. Cause uh, I was cackling. Cause I was like, you're just such a weird fucker, Josh. You just say weird things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go to Google and I'm like, huh? Oh yeah, there's something to that. And I did post on Instagram with Josh was right. So, um, Boy, people who follow that stupid Instagram account are in for some just weird nonsense. Like, you know, normally a podcast account's going to be like, here's what's coming up next week. And instead, it's just, Josh was right. And I think I use eyebrows on fleek was the other hashtag. <laughs> 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 Got to get those kids in, you know, for this Clouds of Sils Maria episode. Jared.
2: Yes, sir. Tell us,
0: how many, what did the, what ended up being the final gross of both these films financially?
1: Longest ride was a gross of $37.5 million on a $34 million budget. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Clouds of Sils Maria was a $4.7 million gross on a $5.1 million budget.
0: All right, so both of them not uh, going <laughs> really do anything. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming uh, Rotten Tomatoes is going to go with uh, Binoche getting her groove back.
1: <laughs> Longest ride, 29%. Mm. Clouds of Sils
0: Maria, 89%, 60% beat down this week. I'm going to give some points back to Longest Ride there. Uh, For me, that's a little too high. I think, Josh, you kind of, you brought up this is not, Clouds of Sils Maria is not strikingly original. I think it's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. to watch, you know, these two actors sort of battle it out and over sort of philosophical differences about what's considered art and what's not. Uh, I don't know if I would be like, oh, yeah, this is a, One of the you know the best in the last ten years, like getting into that sort of ninety percentile there, and I also would say for the longest ride, I I like what you said. Whereas after you watch it, like, well, wasn't that pleasant? That was nice. Like, Mm -hmm. I I can't say that that's a twenty nine percent movie because it didn't fill me with hate, and uh, it's worth it just for that. (laughs) that insistence on it just being the infection that killed me that <laughs> my poor poor wife <laughs> was around and she's like why are you rewinding that so many times like i'm trying to piece it together like the da vinci code like what's he really saying i know what he's saying and <laughs> what i'm saying is worth more than that that's worth it that's 49 percent easily just for that
1: yeah as far as nicholas sparks movies go i mean it wasn't like a torture to sit through. I didn't care for it, but I think twenty nine percent is probably a little bit too low.
0: Hmm. I'm feeling pretty low myself because I thought for sure I was just going to get you into a fiery rage this week with this pairing, and I have I have to try harder. Is what I'm saying. Have to. Oh, yeah.
1: Don't. I mean,
0: <laughs> well,
1: I will. We'll go back and redo the whole podcast, and I'll rant and rave and throw shit if I have to. Just don't. That's a, Don't that, do another. I, I, nope, we won't do it, it this
0: episode. That's going to be an extra Patreon exclusive. That'll be a dollar, please, just for that. <laughs> for that fakery for Jared, just bullshitting hate. Um, yeah, all right. So I think I think uh, I think we feel like since financially it was about even. I I will admit as much as I like that one little side note about the Alan Alda character that yeah I think Clouds of Sils Maria probably deserves to be more recognized than Longest Ride. Yeah, in the
1: s- scheme of things, I it's the uh, it's the better movie. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thought we lost you for a second. Usually, time <laughs> back in there. Oh, uh, dead air. <laughs>
0: You know, Josh Since you're just tapped out We'll give you just a little bit more say Where can people find uh, Your <laughs> eyebrow tutorials On social media
2: I would say uh, Go to At
0: Sober Cinema man punches himself out With the, the nuances of Longest ride <laughs> gets in. It was good Blend I like that know. one better too. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. Put in my eight seconds. I'm tired.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. on. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What
1: about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred.